you're bringing tears to my eyes right now <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't believe it right like god like somebody had taken but god gave me something that i could hold on to and go like i'm more than i'm more than that repo right i'm, I'm that repo is not going to define my career or my life oh gosh you got <laughs> that's uh no no that's wonderful Again, I think it's episode like 32, 33, somewhere in the 30s. Does that make me a bad host for not knowing? I don't know. Uh, maybe it does. But welcome back, everybody. I hope you're having a fantastic Monday morning. It's Labor Day. We've got the day off. We're going to have a good day. The sun is hopefully shining. Um, and you're listening to my beautiful voice. So how much better can life get? I don't know. Um, with that being said, I've got a great episode for you guys today. Um, I say that literally every week, but it's literally always so good. Um, so this week we have our first teacher. We've got Roberto coming on the call and I was actually so excited because first of all, I haven't had a teacher on here, which I guess I just said because first teacher, but, um, I know that there's teachers out there that listen to this. At least I hope so because... I have a couple friends that are teachers, and if you're not listening, that's kind of embarrassing. But um, it's interesting because Roberto's story isn't the classic, I went to college for teaching or, you know, education and became a teacher. It's a windy path to get there, which you guys know I love my windy paths because it just shows that everything in life is happening for a reason. Um, but it was really, really cool to hear how his young childhood as well as his college choices kind of shaped him into um pursuing a career in teaching so excited for that he also talks about um the idea of happiness being you know what he's looking for when it comes to a successful life which I thought was interesting because I didn't even ask him to tell me what he thought success looked like I know we did that in a couple of the earlier episodes um but he brought it up on his own and I love it because he's been in the industry and in the education industry for the past nearly 30 years at this point and the fact that we have somebody who's been doing it for so long able to attest to the idea that happiness is really key you know that's what we should all be striving for because if you're not happy then what is the point of life you know that sounded dark I didn't mean it to be dark but anyways um I think this episode's gonna be great a nice little new take a new story which we always love um a couple things so there might be a, a few slight gaps in the story um that's just because we chatted beforehand uh, via email and I just found a little bit more about his career journey that we didn't really address in the episode and I'm just gonna you know preserve our conversations off to the side I'm not gonna you know spill it all here maybe that'll grow a little bit of anticipation or you know build a little suspense in your mind um but yeah so there might be a couple points where you're like wait what is he talking about and that's just because I knew what was going on but it still makes sense if that makes sense you know okay I'm just gonna shut up um last apology that I need to deliver here is that the volume for some reason is wonky I sound like I'm speaking into a megaphone and Roberto is a normal person speaking at a normal volume um and apparently I missed the elementary school rule where you know inside voices because <laughs> I'm shouting so I'm so sorry I recommend keeping the volume low so I don't burst your eardrums and I'm not tech savvy enough to fix that so I'm 
I'm really sorry. And yeah, ta-ta. Just kidding. Not ta-ta. Here comes Roberto. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I feel like I'm not in my lane. Like I feel like I listen to some of your podcasts and I'm thinking, wait, those are all millennials. I'm not a millennial anymore. No, no, this is great. I need, I need non-millennials, honestly. I'm actually the anti. No. (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. This is great. Thank you so much for, um, taking the time to speak with me this morning. Yes. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is very exciting. So obviously, you know, the drill, um, I'll welcome you to the show. If you want to go ahead and take the next couple of minutes to talk about anything really about you, that's not career related. So where are you from? Any hobbies you have any like fun facts or anything just to get the audience to know a little bit more about yourself. Okay. So, um, my name is Roberto Baeza and I am originally from California. I, w- I was born in Glendale, um, California, which is like a suburb of L- LA. Okay. Um, I was actually raised in Anaheim, California, which is part of Orange County. And if you know anything about California, Orange County at one point was so Republican that if they were, if if they voted for somebody, if enough Republicans voted for somebody, they could offset the rest of the state. I mean, that's how that's oh, how wow. Orange County, Orange County was. And the reason I bring that up is because that also formed my my politics. Even though I might be a Democrat, I always. I'm more centrist. I'm more, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, had more, I had a different perspective than many of my fellow Chicano, Chicanos as I was, as I was growing up. Um, I was raised by immigrant, Mexican immigrant parents who were very strict about the language that was spoken at home. Like in, at home, we could only speak Spanish. Okay. Um, so they always said, from the door in, you are a Mexican <laughs> and you will speak Spanish out of respect for your father because my father didn't speak Spanish or English rather, um, my mom was bilingual, but from the door out, you are an American and you will speak proper English and you, so, so all these ideas, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, okay, so like you keep the two things separate. And, and yeah, you multiple speak. identities you have there. Yes, yes. And, and so we, my sister and I, I have, I have one sibling. Um, and so we learned very early on to code switch. Um, when you go out, when we, when we went out of the house, we wanted to be American, right? Which also created some identity issues, right? Because then absolutely here, here I was in public with a father who was very Mexican in terms of his skin color, in terms of not speaking English, which mm-hmm. really brought a lot of, and I hate to say this publicly, but I, I apologize to him before he left this earth, that I was ashamed. I was ashamed of it. I just wanted to be an, a regular American boy. Uh, however, thanks to the fact that my parents always demanded that we speak Spanish is how I ended up in Wisconsin teaching Spanish classes to, to, in a dual language program. I became a, I became a, um, a teacher. Um, I actually wanted to, I actually wanted to go into politics is what I really wanted to do. I wanted to, my dream was that I was going to be the ambassador to Mexico for the United States. That, that was okay. my dream. As like a child, we're talking and, dream career. Yeah, okay. It, early on. And, and, you know, I, I was, interested in politics from the time I was third grade. I remember being in third grade and watching the California election results like up at late at night. Like really? Yeah, like that is crazy to me. I have it's so funny you say that because I have a little sister who's starting third grade and she brought up something about like something political and I go, Sieno, do you even know anything about politics? She goes, honestly, no, I just say politics. So it's amazing that you were actually invested in it at such a young age. I, I was in, in, in the seventh grade. I decided that I was going to go to UCLA because I, 
at UCLA USC. I mean, my parents didn't go to college. My parents finished, my mother finished third grade in Mexico only. Okay. Which my, her father pulled her, pulled her out of school because she was too old now. She was the oldest. So she needed to help my grandmother at home. Oh, so wow. Okay. At third grade. Third wow. grade. My father, my father only finished up to first grade. He become an, he become orphan on his mom's side. Um, and then my grandfather, I guess, decided he wanted to start a whole new family. So he shipped my father to the northern part of Mexico with one of my aunts. So so that's that's a little bit of my history, my family's history. I, what, was, what was I saying? Um, you were very invested in politics at a very young very age. Very invested in politics. Yeah, so in seventh grade, I'm, I, I happened to turn on the, the, the this football game. It was USC and UCLA, which are arch rivals in LA, in LA right? Well, I chose the, team, the blue team because I liked that color better than the other one. And so in seventh grade, I decided that I was going to go to UCLA and I was going to study politics, seventh grade. So senior year, I got early admissions to UCLA and I was a poli sci major. So very cool. Okay. Okay. So, so you had at no point considered any alternative options. It was, I'm going into politics. This is what I want. Yes. And, and did you have anybody in your family that was kind of pushing you into that arena as well? Or was it very internal that you just saw what was going on and wanted some, some, um, role in po- politics. I just wanted some role in politics. I don't know where that came from. I mean, my mother would often um, talk about her, her her aspirations for me in terms of me becoming a, an attorney or a lawyer. She wanted me to become a lawyer. Okay. But at that point, I didn't make the connection between attorneys and politics. I mean, to me, it was like, I didn't even realize till later on that, oh, many attorneys go into politics, right? But yeah. She would push for that. And and even to this day, I mean, my parents have passed away, but even to this day, I was like, Maybe I should have listened to my mom. I would probably would have made a lot more. <laughs> no, don't say that because that's going to make me feel bad about the fact that I don't listen to anything my parents say right now. <laughs> no, no. no. Um, but then, but then in um, and I hate to give years because it's going to really age me. But in like 1989, I think it was. I was my it was my junior year in college, so I didn't stay. I got I made it to UCLA first year, but I okay. left the first quarter because I was such a mama's boy. That, <laughs> I couldn't live in the dorms. The food was awful. Mom, I want to come home. And my mother didn't speak to me for like three weeks because she was so upset with me that I left UCLA and transferred to Cal State Florida to be closer to home. Okay. How much closer? I don't, I don't know that okay, I'm so, Florida, so bad at geography. So. <laughs> yeah, so Orange County is like half hour from LA. Okay. It's not that far. It's not no, that far. No. <laughs> but when you're 17, 18, you don't have a car. It's, it's important. Like, and then my parents did not, for example, Sixth grade, sixth grade, all the students went to camp. We weren't allowed to go. Okay. Um, so my parents were very protective of us. We, we, mm-hmm. we, weren't, we weren't even allowed to stay with, with cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, so No, so, that's a big transition then to be completely on your own. So I understand. So so yeah. you transferred after the first quarter and, yeah, and went back home. Okay. Were you still poli-sci at that point? Still poli-sci. Okay. Um, so that, that, that didn't change until... Um, I got a job my junior year in college as a bilingual instructional assistant because I wanted to join my friends from Cal Poly Pomona. They were all architecture majors. I'd gone to high school with some of these people mm-hmm. and they were going to Europe for the entire summer and I wanted to join them, but I was obviously going to go the entire summer because I wasn't in their program, mm-hmm. but I was going to join them for like a five-week tour of Europe, but I needed cool. money, right? And I was already working at Kmart, which that paid for my gas, but I needed another job while I was in school that I could easily take on and lo and behold, they needed bilingual instructional assistance. Whoa, that Spanish language that I hated so much, my actually good bit came in. Right. <laughs> oh, God, a- again, mother was right. <laughs> yes. So, so I, um, 
passed the test like with flight so with such high scores that they like hired me on the spot like would you come and do it and i have to tell you like that that changed that changed my life obviously the course of my life because yeah and being in charge so there in in anaheim um it's predominantly the anaheim school district is predominantly hispanic students a lot of immigrant latino kids from mexico and central america mm -hmm. and um well, I was, well, and again, I was in Orange County. I'd been raised in Orange County a little bit. I was accused often of being whitewashed. You know, those, those little terms out there that I, I, did, I did understand. Um, and, and I was a little bit conservative, to be honest with you. Like, my thing was always like, if my parents could do it, everybody else should be able to do it, right? So that, that, that whole argument that now I, I totally push back on is like, unless you know people's circumstances, like that, that shouldn't even come out of your mouth. Life is different. Everybody's trajectory is different. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I learned this because I got this job. So I was working with fifth and sixth graders. Many of them didn't speak English. So the teacher would have, let's say, um, 30 students, right? Of those 30 students, 20 of them were Spanish readers that she couldn't communicate with because she was white woman, English speaking. Mm -hmm. So I would get sent with these 20 kids outside. I had no teaching experience. Like I didn't know what- talk Yeah, about you're taking over the class at that point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she'd stay in the classroom with her 10 kids and I'd take 20 of them. But when I'd go out there, like they would ask me all these questions. And, and I remember Juan, this boy, Juan Carlos, I'll never forget, I wish I knew where he was because he, he totally like changed, not just my, my, my path of life, but he, but my politics even, because he asked me, um, Mr. B, if you were in charge, would you, because I guess his family was undocumented, right? So, so would you kick us out? Would you kick us? Yes. And, and looking at, I mean, the old Roberto from like two months earlier would have said, well, yeah, you came in illegally, like, mm -hmm. right. But now that I saw a face, now that I could see his eyes, no, like, how could, how could I? Like, I, right. I, I didn't tell him this, but in my mind, like, I remember, I remember my eyes like watered a little bit because I just thought like, oh my God, like, almost felt bad and guilty because I'm like thinking, what was I thinking, right? So these children, I mean, they're just coming for a better life, right? Mm -hmm. And for the same reason that my parents came here, like a better life. And so I, and I have to tell you, even to this day, everything that I do is almost to honor like my parents' hard work because they did the hard work. For yeah. I, they did the hard work. They came to a country where the different language, often mistreated, often didn't, didn't want them here but they persevered and, and they bought a house and they sent us to college. And, and they, they got it. the classic American dream. Yes, yes. Yep. And so it was at that point that, um, so I went to Europe, that's five weeks and enjoyed, loved Europe, but I decided, oh, I, I don't, I don't wanna go into politics. I wanna be a teacher. That's interesting. So that's so interesting because, well, first of all, thank you for sharing all that. I love hearing those turning points in people's lives because that was just a one-off, like you wanted to go to Europe. You weren't, trying to be a like you didn't weren't pursuing anything teaching related you just kind of no. fell into it and i yeah. i love hearing those things because i think people try to figure out what their career is if they're very confused they assume that it has to be this like massive career switch where you just start a new job and that's how you find your passion but it's these small little instances or, yeah. or you know ways that we get guided into these roles that ultimately change the trajectory of our career path. So, so I love hearing that. Um, but I think it's so interesting because you say you, you didn't want to do politics anymore, but that is like that whole immigration piece there. That's right. still very much rooted in politics. So, so tell me how you discern the two between wanting to work in education 
but also being inspired by that whole like, the difficulties in, in immigration status. So, 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 so I now realize that that when you're a teacher, you have a responsibility, right? Like I like I ne- I've never seen my profession, and I've been doing it now. I'm about to start my 29th year with students. Oh my gosh! Congratulations! That's well, that's amazing. Of those years were, were spent in, as an administrator. Which yeah, but 29 years is impressive. <laughs> which I absolutely love. But I have to tell you, I still get excited about bulletin boards. I still get excited <laughs> about the right planner. So like, <laughs> I, love, I, love what, I love what I do, and mm-hmm. um, but how? But I just, I just, I realized that my responsibility was to help parents reach their aspirations for their children, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing that I could do about immigration. There was nothing that I could do about the, about any of those things. But I always remember my mom telling telling me. You always have to be ready and educate yourself and be be in the place where the, when the opportunities come, you have to be ready to take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. You can't just come and she always used to say about rich, rich people will always have more, rich people who become poor will always have more than the poor person who becomes rich. Because we see like the lot of winners, right? What, what happens to all the lot of winners? They lose their money quickly because they don't know about investment. They don't know about... Mm-hmm. They don't know how to how to make their money work for them. We're born into it. They know how to do that kind of stuff. So so I realized that like I had to always prepare myself for any opportunity. And, and I was I was so goal oriented um, all my life. And so it wasn't until you know a, a little mishap. Everybody have, has mishaps in their careers, or a little a little bump in the road, mm-hmm. uh, where I realized like kind of changed that and. and for the last couple of years, I was like, what is my goal now? Like, what, what, what? okay, I was, I've accomplished everything I wanted. I, including, went back to UCLA, got my master's in education. Then okay, got my- wait, sorry, sorry. Before we go into like kind of where yeah. you're at now, I'm curious, when, so you went to Europe, can you walk me through that? Did you immediately change into ed- an education? Or did you still graduate with poli-sci, but know that you wanted to oh, eventually so what- end up in education? Yeah, okay, so- in California, you cannot major in in um in education. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. To this day. To this day, like really, like, like the closest you can get to it is um child development or liberal studies. Okay, interesting. But you, but you can minor in education, and you can get a master's in education, and get a doctorate in education. But you, for example, my sister is also a teacher. She always wanted to be a teacher. I remember we used to play school as kids, and we had our cousins who were in LA, and so they would come down and visit and. And because of that whole language thing and, and speaking like an American, my sister and I always thought because we were from Orange County that we spoke better than our LA counterparts. <laughs> my sister played the teacher and I always played the principal. They're like, why do you guys always put because we know more English than you guys? Oh, that's so funny. We're the experts here, our little 10 year old self. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, so, so in California, you can't. So, we, my sister majored in fashion merchandising. Interesting. In okay. We both have like great, I think we have great fashion, you know, sense because uh-huh. of her, because she, she totally had, but she wanted to be a teacher. So she finished her degree in, in, in fashion merchandising. I finished my degree in poli sci into teaching programs. It was like a one year thing and just do that. Okay. Interesting. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I just wanted to get that bridge, that gap there. Um, that's, that's very interesting. And then I lose my gap. Remember I'm not a millennial. so my, my- <laughs> No, it's okay. Me too. This keeps me energized. And like, there's so many moving pieces here that I'm trying to put together. Yeah, so it's yeah. great. <laughs> um, so that's, so that's why I still finished my degree in poli sci. And then after I finished that degree, I applied to, um, 
Cal State Fullerton and UC Irvine for a teaching okay. And again, race and language come up again when I'm just going through this process because one of the Latina professors at um, Cal State Fullerton said, why are, you, why are you applying for the English program? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, what, don't you speak Spanish? I do. Well, you know, you're never going to get into that program because you're not white. <laughs> like, what? what? Like, yeah, it's like my own people, right? Like, it was, but, but see, I, I, I came from a different upbringing because my parents, the whole, the whole idea behind Chicano, my parents, my parents kind of thumbed their nose at it and would say like, Chicano, like, what is that? That's, that's an American made up thing. They're rebels without causes. They're gangbangers. The government identifies me as a Chicano. Like to me, it has a bad connotation because of my upbringing. So I will always say Mexican-American. Like I am a Mexican-American. I'm going to say Latino. I still haven't bought into the Latinx thing. So, you know, my parents uh-huh. are my parents are very, very conservative, but, but I'm progressive, but I still think there are rules in society. So, so my mm-hmm. orange County upbringing does come into play. Yeah, know? no, absolutely. Wait, I'm sorry. I do not mean to totally throw this for like a wrench into this, but I am curious because, um, I know like the Latinx and we can cut this out. I'm just curious your thoughts. Um, you just said you don't have it bought into the Latinx, uh, like whole jargon. Um, angry about it. You're angry about it. Can I hear your viewpoint? Cause I, I, I do appreciate these, these dialogues. And if you don't want this in the episode, I totally understand. I'm just genuinely curious. So, so I'm actually, I'm, I'm a gay Latino. I'm gay. Okay. And, and so all my life being gay, like, like I never even told my parents, my parents passed away. I know, I know they knew, but we never talked about it. They didn't ask any questions, but here I am all my life fighting for my masculinity, trying to establish my masculinity. Mm-hmm. And so now this group of people that have this divergent way, like why do they supersede my experience? Like, like, and why are, why are Americans trying to change the, the Spanish language? Like, so there's, a, so that's why I'm like totally against like, no, like you, you denying me my right to probably say, I'm a man. I may love men, but mm-hmm. I'm a man. I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not confused about my gender. I'm not, I wasn't a woman born in a man. I am a man and I'm a man. And, and so I've always had to fight because in, in Mexican culture, to be gay was to be a woman. Oh, interesting. Okay. They, they even had these words about maricón, like that, like wearing a dress. Or, but I'm not, I'm not a transgender. And I'm like, I am a man. I just happen to like men. So, so that's why I push against, like, no, like I'm like, my fight's not over as a, as a gay Latino. You're not going to come change the Spanish language. Like that's the way it is. Traditional when it comes to language. Like I'm very like mm-hmm. through with the kids. Like when they ask to go to the bathroom in English, right? If they don't say, may I, may I use the restroom, Dr. Bison? If they go, can I, I don't know where you potty trained. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you're one of those teachers, the yeah, classic, right. I don't know. Can you? <laughs> right. I, I'm totally one of those, but you know what? Um, and, and so, um, and it's, and I have rules, like you have three seconds to say, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, so those, and the parents come back and they're like, my kid has changed so, and like, that's my million dollar bonus check, right? To have a parent come to me and say, my kid has changed so much since they were in your classroom. Mm-hmm. That is my work. That, that, that's my legacy. That, like, that's my parents' legacy, right? Like, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm proud of my work and, and, I, and I enjoy it. In mm-hmm. spite of the bad stuff that may have happened, I, I, I love being a teacher. That's amazing. I, I have some very close teacher friends and it's, 
I love it because they all have this very similar personality. They're all, they're all very different people. However, you can see that, that passion and that drive to really help these, these children. And I have one friend in particular who she works in a very like underserved, um, population, like definitely faces some challenges. And I know that she goes through some weeks that are just mentally draining and exhausting, but seeing her improve these students lives over the course of six seven months with them is incredible so I can only imagine you've been doing it for 29 years how many lives have you touched and how many people you've made better so so I have a story I have a story about um so right at the beginning of the pandemic um because of the situation that you you already know my car was repoed in the middle of the night like my car was repoed and I mean I had to run out there four in the morning and beg just be able to take my wallet out right and so oh I'm sitting there like, feeling like a complete failure. Like, 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 oh my God, like my, I'm glad my parents aren't here to see this. Like I, I'm, I'm, excuse my language, shit. Like I am nothing, right? I like, I'm a nothing. And I get this email, I mean to get emotional, but I get this email from this young lady. And you know, I never, I never checked LinkedIn, right? But, but for some reason I went in there and there was an email from, from a former student and she says, this is who I am. Do you remember me? Of course I remember her, right? She's like, I became a teacher because of you. On the same morning that my car had been repoed, right? So I thought, like, thank you, God. I, I, need, I needed that, right? It's like, but I, I really would like to talk to you. I don't, I don't know if you remember me, but can we please talk? Um, I want to make sure that I made the right decision because I just remember what an amazing teacher you were. And I want to be that same teacher to my students. You're bringing tears to my eyes right now. <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, right? Like God, like somebody had taken, but God gave me something that I could hold on to and go like, I'm more than, I'm more than that repo, right? I'm, I'm that repo is not going to define my career or my life. Oh gosh, you've got, <laughs> that's, uh, uh, no, no, that's wonderful. I, I can only imagine it's such a, a I know you've had the challenges with your career yes. and, and having something like that that reminds you why you got into it in the first place yeah. is probably exactly the push you needed at that time in your life yes and I, and I have to tell you despite the challenges I can probably say there's nothing that I would change it's even though I would know now what that pain would be and what the humiliation like I would do everything the same like there is no decision that I made that I would change to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, so take me through now where you're at now and how you, you transitioned over here to Wisconsin. I say here as in like the Midwest, but. Yes. So my father passed away in 2019. And, um, you know, when that second parent passes away, if things aren't written out quick, written out, um, very directly and very clearly, some of us become a little crazy when, you know, when, when it's time for inheritance and the house mm-hmm. and it's gonna get this. So um, my sister took me to court and we had a battle over the house and, you know, eventually I ended up buying her out, but I had quit, I had quit teaching at that point because it, I just couldn't, I just couldn't be the executor of my, do- of my father's will and try to make, get, get that mess all cleared up. And so I left teaching probably for about a year. Okay. And when you say teaching, you mean strictly teaching, like you are in a classroom or the principal? No, in a classroom. In the classroom. Okay. Yeah. And I've not been back in the classroom five years. And so okay. I, I stepped out, which um, I really regret it because I, you know, I don't ever want to impact kids, but, but I needed to do at that point, talk about my mental health. Like at that point, I needed to take care of me first. Mm-hmm. 
effective or, or mental state where I could deliver the type of instruction that I was accustomed to delivering. You know, at mm -hmm. that point I was emotional. My father had passed away. Um, I had, I, not that I took care of him, but I saw both my parents pass away at home from cancer. Um, and I have a sibling who like, well, where's my half? And where, you know, and it just became too much. So I started to look for a job after that year, right at the, at the, as the pandemic is starting. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and, and California was, I, I don't know if I got blackballed or if I got, you know, you know, because some of the situations I had, I had encountered. So I had a friend in Wisconsin who would always say, come over this way. And I'm like, no way. What would I be doing in the Midwest? No way. Like, I, I don't like the snow. I don't know. I'm like, I'm good. But I came out and visited during the summer of 2019 when I was, and that's the other thing about me. I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. I mean, I have to tell you, like, I love <laughs> school. So I have a doctorate, but at that point I read, I signed up for the TESOL certificate at Columbia University in New York City. So it does, so I feel like I'm living my life in reverse, right? I didn't go away for college as a uh -huh. Way as a 40 something year old, you know? So, yeah. Hey, hey, it's never too late, right? <laughs> right. It's never too late. And, and I, I love that. I mean, being in New York, I enjoyed every night. I was there for two months and every night my colleagues, my classmates would be like, wait, don't you have work like the rest of us? But I had already done a doctorate. So, like, the doctor from UCLA was like, this, this certificate thing was nothing to me. Like, I was, <laughs> how many hours do I, it was like I was 18 again, right? How many hours do I have before it's due? Yeah have fun in the city <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's awesome so so I got my diesel certificate in 2019 because I you know I love language I love language acquisitions um even the work that I do now um here in Wisconsin so so going back to my friend who was living here finally had me visit I visited I loved it right you love the land of the cheese yes I <laughs> the summer i hadn't seen the snow yet oh god uh, that's where they gotcha <laughs> but, but I, I have to tell you like i'd rather be cold than hot so the, mm -hmm. the cold weather doesn't bother me now seeing cars spin <laughs> oh. <laughs> that scares me that really yeah me. i'll call my colleagues I'm like can you pick me up and they're like you're such a coward I'm like call me what you want just pick me up yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't make me drive in the snow um so i applied i, I applied to um a couple districts actually i applied to like five districts throughout the country. First one that came in was Virginia. I got an offer in Virginia. I got an offer here in Wisconsin and I got an offer in Northern California, which I was gonna take to Northern California. But what I did was, um, and this was so unlike me because I'm not a detailed person and I'm a disaster when it comes to economics and finance. And I don't know how many times my parents bailed me out, right? Because uh -huh. I wanna live the high life. I went to college, I should be able to fly first yeah. that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> um, so, so, I did, I did my homework, like, and I, and I, I, I did the pros and cons of each, of each um, co contract offer and how much was this, how much money would, how far would this amount go in Wisconsin, how far would this go in, in California, mm -hmm. how far, and the best offer that, and I was able to negotiate was Wisconsin. Okay. That's how I ended up in Deloitte, Wisconsin. Um, okay. A, um, I still have a house in California that I have to tell you before the pandemic, I, I, I almost lost it went into pre-foreclosure. Oh, wow. Okay. But I pulled out my retirement and paid out, paid everything that I owed in, as far as the house was concerned. Now that, see, one of my dreams, even though I had this career, was that I make money while I sleep, right? That, like, yes. Like, passive income. Yes. yes. Music to my ears. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm like, I have this house. I'm going to rent it out. I'm going to go to Wisconsin. I live in this nice little apartment here in, in, in Janesville. Uh -huh. uh, and 
I'm loving what I'm doing. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a teacher again at the middle school level, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade okay. language program, which I teach the Spanish part and I teach social studies as well to my kids. To in like English then? Like oh, you teach Spanish. Spanish. Oh, everything's okay. Spanish. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, it sounds like you had a lovely turnaround then and, and yeah. figured out where, where, like it all ended up working out. I love that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't know if I, I should even say this publicly, but I felt like the pandemic, you know, I, I know that a lot of people passed away and it was horrible for, but for me personally, like it stopped everything. It stopped the creditors. It allowed me to catch my breath and, yeah. get, and get caught up once more. And, and even I, the mentality, I think, of of that pause and that reset on the pandemic was yes. so productive for so many people because yes. you also get a chance to take that breath and realize what is important to me. What do I really want? I know yes. you're, you're busting your butt nonstop trying to keep up and, and stay in line with what's going on in your life. But the pandemic forced us to all take a step back and reevaluate what it is we want from our lives. So yeah. I, I'm happy to hear that you were one of those that actually got to take advantage and, and grow from that experience. We've got about six minutes left, so I don't want to take too much time before I give you a little bit of a chance yeah. to give some last pointers. But um, do you think that your interest in political science kind of shaped how you deliver your instruction as a teacher? Like, do you incorporate politics into your instruction at all? Or you do try to stay far removed from that? I don't stay far removed from that because I, I, but, but, but I will, I, I try not to get into it. The kids will ask and I always try to be as truthful as I can. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, but sometimes I'll say like, ask me after and I'll tell you who I go to after, you know, just because I don't want to, that I'm trying to, um, change anybody's mind right no I think that's that's very important though that you you are open about it because I think at least from my experiences it's become such like a scare you know anyone brings up anything political and everyone shuts up it's like no why do we we all have opinions I'm not like one is not necessarily right over the other we all have opinions on how things should be run so I I I appreciate that you are open and and um open to like engaging with that in a classroom setting and the kids want to know and the last one like i said like i usually will tell them I'll, ask me after and i will i will tell you or yeah or, or i think it was after the election what i did was i put the stick the sticker of my candidate i put it on my on my my laptop They're like oh that's who you voted for like, <laughs> yeah uh, it was yeah um but i've also learned that even though i always thought that having a mercedes i, I was listening to your podcast i think it was the second one right and you're talking about like what, how you, how you define success, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say like, that's how I would have defined success, like almost entirely. And so what I've learned over the years is like, oh, now I know why happiness was in the Declaration of Independence. Like now, I, like what seemed like so like, happiness, like why would you even put that in there, right? Like mm-hmm. now I get it. Like my goal now is to be happy. Like, like I've been to Europe, I've been to Asia, I've traveled all over. And not only traveled all over, like I've traveled on first class. I've traveled in business class, right? Mm-hmm. Often to the detriment of my of my checkbook, but <laughs> but I've done it, right? You've I've, lived, you've lived, lived right? yeah. And I've been able to figure out, like, I don't need all that stuff to be happy. I I just need to be find what makes me happy. And I've realized, like, it's not about being in California because at first I thought, like, when my first year that I was here, I'm starting my third year. So the first year I was here, as soon as as soon as we get out of school for a break, I would fly back to California. Like I needed to be in California. But when I started to realize like, well, when I'm in California though, I'm not any happier than I'm in Wisconsin. Like, mm-hmm. so I started to realize 
happiness is within me. Like I have to make a choice every day. And that choice is like, I'm going to be happy, even though uh, I don't really have a relationship with any, with my sister anymore because of the things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are no longer on this earth. Um, I have cousins, but you know, everybody has to their life to live. And so I'm in Wisconsin mm-hmm. by myself, but I've met very, some very nice people, very nice people. And, um, and so that's my goal now. It's like, I want to, I just want to be happy. Yeah. No, I love that. And, and especially, I know we joked at the beginning of this call about how you're not a millennial and, and it's yeah. different, but I appreciate, like, this is why I love having so many unique individuals come on because it's one thing to say right out of, you know, when you're 26, uh, uh, fresh out of school, figuring out your career, like, oh, I just want to be happy. But what does that really mean? And you've actually experienced, you know, 29 years in the industry. I personally think it means a lot more coming, hearing that from you, who you've had all this life of experiences and career changes and all these challenges you faced. And you are still resorting to that, that inner value. Of, I just want to be happy. And, yeah. and it looks different for everybody, but th- the fact that we all are striving for that, that integral piece which at 20 I would have said like what is your goal my goal is to be financially stable and even have extra money to be because I want to be kind of rich like that right you want to flaunt it (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but and I still like like even everything that I acquire or everything because I have you know I have this nice apartment here and I have a home in California but like to me that's that's all an omen to my parents or you know like like it's not a trophy for me it's it's honoring what their work their their goal was that their kids would have a better life than they they, they do right mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to honor that by, by not being a mess with money by not being so messy with with my finances and just spending like wildly right but right but honoring what they wanted for us which was a much better life and, and the fact that I can fly back between California and Wisconsin I feel like I'm living my best life and that's honoring them and what yeah. they do coming yeah. to this country. absolutely absolutely Oh, well, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story this morning and, and talking about all that. Yeah, absolutely. I've been stressing out about it all weekend. Oh my gosh. What if I don't have anything to say? What if I, what if I. No, this has been great. You have been fantastic. This is like, I feel like we haven't even had, like, this has been so good because I have constantly had all these like questions for you because you're giving me so much good stuff. So I appreciate this. Awesome. And the best of luck to you and whatever you decide. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll see. You're a natural for the podcast. I have to tell you, like, I really enjoyed listening to them. You were awesome. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me. I really yeah. appreciate it. Have a good, have a great Sunday. Thanks. You too, Roberto. Thank you. All righty, people. I told you it was great. And was it not great? I th- thought it was fantastic. I also love that we kind of touched on some, like, touchy subjects with the Latinx uh, verbiage conversation and political conversation, which usually we don't do in my podcast. And... I'm not one to like debate. I actually, I I do debate with my friends, but I think it is important to hear other people's opinions and viewpoints. And I'm glad that we were able to have that conversation and just openly talk about those things. So that was exciting. Um, But also I just, again, I told you a little bit at the beginning, but I loved how Roberto shares that one key moment, you know, where he took a job working in the school just for extra money, not thinking anything of it. He wasn't pursuing education. He didn't think he even had an interest in it. Yet that that summer really shaped, you know, the next 30 years of his life, which I just love hearing because that's all it takes people. Remember, if you're sitting dragging it out in a nine to five job and you hate it and you think, is this really my life for the next 20 years? No. That being said, you got to go out, try new things, but it doesn't necessarily have to be you purposely pursuing something career orienting, oriented, orientated, goodness gracious, oriented. Um, 
but you can be, you know, just trying new things on the weekends. Like maybe you go to an art fair and decide, oh my God, I'm going to become an artist. Who knows? Or maybe you strike up conversation with an investment baker in a restaurant and you think, oh my God, that life sounds awesome. Working 43 hours a day, you know? So all it takes is these small interactions. So don't lose hope. Don't lose faith in the process. Everything will work out. And with that, I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Seize the bull, grab him by his horns, send this podcast over, follow What Now Megan um, on Instagram, send this podcast, uh, and just, okay, <laughs> bye.